lovely notes of Giuseppe Verdi. Mean time for another edition of Syria Sit Down, our season wrap-up edition at that. Uh, World Football Index's podcast of Calcio at the highest level. I'm Frank Crivello. Thank you for joining us as always. Uh, Richard Carmen, fellow Calcio consultant, is along for the ride as always. Ciao, Richard. Ciao, Frank. How are you doing? This bright and early in the morning. Ah, it's yeah. This is a, this is a different thing for us. Usually, it's an evening, and we're recording it and, and, and having a beer this morning. And now it's now it's coffee and coffee. Um, yes. <laughs> uh, maybe maybe still trying to wake up, but uh, you know, anytime you talk uh, Syria Calcio, uh, you get a little adrenaline boost, get you going. So, um, uh, so 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 all's well over here. Um, uh, how about yourself? Yeah, all is well. I'm trying to. Come down from come down from that high of yesterday. What a day! Oof. Yeah, yeah, and you also uh, I see you made the uh, flight back after playing in golf for Sassuolo yesterday. <laughs> you liked that, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I was it was nice that you let Pilotti score and let him try to get back on track here a little bit. That was good. That was good of you. Appreciate that. It's, it's good for the national team. Made me a little money too, by the way. So uh, <laughs> you're welcome. So it's much appreciated. Um, and uh, as promised, uh, we have a guest panelist joining us. Uh, you know, to wrap this all up. Uh, he is completing his hat trick of appearances this season uh, on the Serie A sit-down. The only guest panelist to do so, uh, writer for Gentleman Ultra uh, and a uh, good friend of ours, Mark Neal. Ciao, Mark. Ciao. What's new with you these days? What are you? What 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 are some of the pieces you've been writing lately? Uh, some of the things you've been up to. I've I've had a temporary break from Gentleman Ultra. I've just been doing some stuff ready for the new season on my Sempre Bari account. Obviously, uh, another disastrous season for the mm. perennial underachievers and new manager, new plans, allegedly, with this focus on youth, which seems to be the trend now. So, yeah, but um, hopefully some pieces coming out in the summer for GU. Top quality as always. Yep. Yep. We uh, we tried we try to tout uh, we try to tout that site as as much and as often as we can. Some very good reads and some very good pieces from them. So um 12th 12th for Bari in uh, Serie B what's it going to take for them to uh uh you know to get into that uh to get into that promotion discussion uh or even maybe hit the uh Serie B playoffs next season I've, to, to divert from what they've done this year they come January obviously they replaced um replaced the manager again we had Stefano Colatono, the ex-Atlanta coach, and he went down mm. the road of stalwarts, Floro Flores and people like that. And mm. uh, that sums up our season. Our season effectively finished when 37-year-old Brienza done his cruciating, and after that, we just couldn't score. We couldn't create nothing. Mm. But the, the rumours are who was at Palermo, one of their 15 managers this season. He's been touted is coming in and they're talking about an overhaul of the youth sector. I think we discussed it early on one of the pods when we let two of our promising youngsters disappear off to Fiorentina, which right. uh, didn't go down very well. So they're hoping to focus on youth. This is a, a, a plan over the next two or three years. So next year, I'm not too sure how things will go, but that's more of a, a, a long-term plan rather than these short-term solutions mm -hmm. so hey mark mark you got a are you picking a winner for syria b here uh for the playoffs yes. yeah for the playoffs yes um oh, perugia they started to hit some 
decent form towards the end. I think they went ten games without without a defeat. Yeah, they lost that first leg in the semis. Yeah, did they? So, yeah, Benevento got that goal. Oh, yeah, of course they did. But I still think they they got enough about them to do it. To be honest with you, I, I'll, I'll be prove myself ridiculously wrong. But yeah, I, I think <laughs> I think Perugia and more of a sentimental thing as well. <laughs> Perugia with a the Palermo of the time when I first started watching Serie A with their crazy ideas and their crazy president. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, but yeah, that's that's been. I mean, we all, almost didn't have the playoffs. That was that close with um, Frosinone. We're, we're losing, so they, they had the uh, ten ten point gap thing, and obviously uh, just squeaked through. But that's so tough to call, and uh, you know that's. There's six or eight teams that you could say deserve to be Serie A teams on history and stuff like that. But you know, big big shout out to Spal for their promotion as well. That's amazing. Absolutely. Uh, you know, with the you know did it with the team of Lonies. We we went over this. Uh, Rich and I went over it in the last uh, uh, in the last Serie A sit down. Um, you know, uh, you know, a a, a a player from Milan that. Uh, uh, that people will be familiar with Zigoni uh, being one of them. Um, uh, you know the uh, the son of Marcajani, uh, the goalkeeper. Although I don't think he gets the uh, does he did he get much of the run out there for uh, for Spal? No, he didn't. They had yeah, uh, say. oh, distracting mental block. I can't think of they had in goal for majority. Of the oh, season. I'm sorry, Alex. Alex Merritt. Alex Merritt. Yes, Alex Merritt. That's yeah. the one. Yeah, the interesting situation with, with him and Scuffet for Udinese next season. That's yeah, two youngsters. Yeah, and Scuffet's just signed an extended contract as well. So, yep. but there's rumours of interest from Juventus for for Merritt. So we'll have to see where that one go. But and obviously the return of. Hellas Verona to Serie A after one season yep. as well. Yeah, so, absolutely. And I was talking about uh, Cassano reuniting with Pazzini there for next season after his... I, oh, I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> These things, they never work out. Sam Doria, the pair together were up for awesome, but obviously they were both younger and Cassano was a lot thinner then. So <laughs> we'll see what, what direction that go. But it's been... That's been a weird season with Serie B. There's just been teams that have just hit magical runs and then completely faded. I mean, Trapani, who are relegated this season, lost in the playoff final last season. That's hmm. well, mad. No. But yeah. that's why I love that division because you just can't pick anything. You know, like Crotone last year with winning the league, coming out of nowhere, Spal, first season back in the second division for uh, for like 20 years and then back-to-back promotions so mad yep yep and we're certainly excited about seeing uh you know seeing those teams next season seeing what they can do uh but let's talk about the league that they're going to be entering uh Serie A um I had somebody on Twitter tell me that there was a disappointing season for Serie A all the way you know all the way around said yeah not your father Serie A but just there's so many bad bad teams all this other stuff I said I, I was close to saying, well, you know, where's your pulse, man? Uh, so many great stories from this uh, Serie A season, um, and we'll start with a quick, uh, we'll start with a quick wrap of uh, match week 38. Um, let's begin with uh, the second and uh, the second and third, sorting out those Champions League places 
and who's exactly going to be doing what. Uh, it was Roma that ends up finishing second. They do that with a 3-2 win over Genoa. Napoli win 4-2 at Sampdoria in a game that wasn't even that close. Um, but, uh, you know, Mark, good old Roma. Uh, should be in the bag against the Genoa team who, you know, in most weeks has mailed it in, but they, they, they figured out how to make this hard for themselves and pulled it off in the 90th. Uh, they're just the entertainment specials or heart attack specialists, depending if you follow them or not. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, I followed some decent Roma fans on Twitter and they were just saying, typical Roma, typical Roma. And yep. then... Right, was it the ninety-second or ninety-third minute? Parai just yeah, yeah. People who lambasted him quite a bit this season, and uh, yeah, pops up with that goal. But you know, the the race between them and Napoli was just brilliant, highly entertaining all season. And Richard, uh, Roma eighty-seven points, Napoli eighty-six points. Um, the we're, I mean, we're, we're we're talking about points that it, you, would win you a title any other season. I know. I mean, both both teams had fantastic seasons, but that juggernaut that is Juventus, you know, they were just so hard to you know catch. Um, I was watching the game, and my worry was it was you know Genoa, was, you know, was giving them a good fight. And I'm thinking Spalletti's not going to let uh, Totti go on the pitch because you know he he wants to win the game. I'm like, oh please, but finally in the 54th minute he came in. Uh, but yeah, I mean, either the, any other season, if Juventus wasn't in this league. 87 points or 86 points would win the league but this season um you know with Juventus playing as well as they are it 86 and 87 just not going to do it which is amazing to say because any other year they would have won it um no uh, no truth to the rumor mark that uh you know Spalletti was uh saying after the in the post match that uh it was uh it was great to see the Olympico packed and full to support our team so that we could finish second right <laughs> if anybody says that as a manager then they need a serious look at you just you know you, you intend to win everybody says the same thing you intend to win everything when you start out of the season but unfortunately there is this club called Juventus that have just steamrolled everyone but yeah. I mean I think the future's regardless of whether Spalletti goes or not the future's bright for Roma now they've got the majority of the stadium issues out Mm-hmm. And everybody seems to be far on that path now. Even you know, teams like Calorie and Ascoli are all looking to build their own stadiums and, and to be sustainable. That's, but yeah, the the Roma. I mean, oh, that was so emotional. If yep. you were there, that must be unbelievable. But I think I said on Twitter, just I sat there and I'm no Roma fan by any stretch of imagination, but, you know, there was tears in my eyes because for, for a lot of us that, it, you know, there's only performance remaining from that golden period. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. But I mean, to be fair, in, in a couple of his previous appearances, he did look like a 40 year old man on a football pitch. So I have some sympathy with Spalletti on that one. Yep. Yep. And yeah, you know, I argued that in my I argued that in my cultural consultant blog that uh, you know this isn't this isn't Luciano Spalletti's job to make sure that uh, uh, you know Francesco Totti gets a farewell tour. It's Luciano Spalletti's job to make sure Roma finish second and are straight into the Champions League group stage next season. Um, so uh, you know, let's talk about this. Uh, let's talk about Francesco Totti because obviously, as you mentioned, very emotional scenes at the Olimpico after the match. Uh, uh, you know, a very, very tasteful send-off 
uh, you know, for one of the, uh, you know, legends, not just of Roma, but also for Italy. Um, you know, give, uh, give the listeners, Mark, I'll come back to you, your, your favorite uh, Francesco Totti memory. Oh, that's, <laughs> I've so many girls that I watched yeah. him from young, but there was that, the goal, I think that was against Barcelona in the Champions League, like a sort of semi-bicycle kick that was, mm-hmm. you know, just exploded out of nowhere. That was, but there's, there's been so many, so, but that was my favourite goal from from him, you know, at, at European football level. You know, it was superb, that said. And his goal scoring record as well is not, is not a true out-and-out striker. He's played so much of his time is obviously got deeper and deeper as he's got older, but he always was the quintessential number 10. And, you know, I think it's like 256 goals he scored. That's, you know, regardless if you played for 25 years as a number 10, that's phenomenal. But yeah, I think he's, he's a, a Roma legend more than a, an Italian legend, I think. Yep. So hard to pick. So hard to pick a favorite moment. Uh, Richard, how about you? Uh, your favorite uh, Totti moment? My favorite Totti moment was, uh, I think it was against uh, Sampdoria, where he's on the left wing, gets a long cross, and he's at an angle where there's no reason he should be shooting, especially with his left foot on the left flank, and he shoots a rocket into the net. I'm like, how did he just score that goal? It was ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, out of midair, he volleyed it and into the corner. I'm like, what? How did that just happen? Yeah. That was my favorite moment. That was a few. That was that was probably like uh, five years ago or so, or maybe maybe a little bit more. But yeah, what a fantastic goal! I just told you the skills yep. galore. Yep. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with um, his uh, his performances at Euro 2000 for Italy. Uh, uh, yeah. For me, um, and uh, I remember you know watching him play. I mean, it was sadly i mean i saw him i saw him playing in a, you know in quite a few Serie A games leading up to that but it was my my first time where i actually sat and watched francesco totti play and he played for the you know playing for the azuri there at euro 2000 the run they made to the final and you know we talked about that italy being a real team uh getting to the final and playing a you know playing a defensive style euro 2000 by the way was one of my favorite international tournaments um but you know Totti's performances were so underrated when when you look at it. And I think he scored. I want to say he scored two goals. I know he scored he scored against Belgium, and I think he scored again again against Romania. But it was also what he did off the ball. Um, you know, he was in the number ten role uh, in that you know Catenaccio system of Dino Zoff. He had three center backs, um, and then uh, uh, the conflict with forcing Del Piero in there. Um, you know, and, and watching the drop off, uh, in creativity, cause it just, it was not a very good tournament for Alessandro Del Piero, uh, two clear cut chances in the final aside. Uh, <sighs> but <laughs> I know I'm still, I still have, uh, still have nightmares about those. Um, but you know, some of the things he did in that, some of the things he did in that tournament, I think that that's when he made that leap. Uh, to being a world-class player. I think the talent was always there, but uh, I think that Euro 2000 for me was the springboard where uh, you started rem- you started remembering who Francesco Totti was. Yeah, I think, uh, obviously, in, in any situation, you get people, oh, what has he won, what has he won? But I think you get to a point where you, 
yeah, he's, he's still won a Scudetto more than some players have ever won. But mm-hmm. I mean, you could see what that meant to him and and the fans to be adored like that by, yeah. you know, that, that's got to be worth a, a couple of trophies on its own. Yes, you could argue that, you know, the, the, the season been slightly derailed slightly with with this farewell tour scenario. But I mean, yeah, the, he was. I've, I said yesterday on on Twitter it when Serie A in the in the 90s was unmatchable he stood out and that to mm-hmm. me says everything mm-hmm. you know absolutely um just uh you know a, you know a legend uh one of these that uh you know like I said had a great Euro 2000 uh you know Featured in the uh, World Cup winning team in 2006. Uh, he, he started quite a few of the games if he didn't start all of them. I know he started the final. Um, you know, and then again, you still had Del Piero, but I think Marcello Lippi realized that, you know, with, with the system that he was playing, you know, Del Piero is a guy that you put on as a substitute. He's not somebody that we have to try to force in there. I think that he had gotten it. Um, you know, but that's another discussion. But uh, the thing that, I think we can conclude about Francesco Totti, and this was being discussed on uh, the network that carries Syria here in here in the United States, be in sports. Um, with the way, with the landscape of football now, uh, with transfer fees, with players moving clubs, you're never going to have. There's never going to be another Francesco Totti again, and I think that that was significant in all of this. Um, I, I grew up in grew up in Rome. Rome's a city. I mean, he's known Roma all his life. Um, you know, grew up in Roma, Roma, played, that's the team he played for. He came up as a youth, came up as a player, his entire career. That's all he's, that's all he's known, you know, constantly turning down offers to go, uh, you know, play for other clubs. Um, you know, so, uh, you know, Roma was his life. Um, and, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, the Romans live vicariously through this man, Richard. Absolutely. I mean, it, it, he means so much to the city. He's such a he's such a cult hero in Rome. Um, I mean, everything he does, the city lives and breathes through him. I mean, and they can just you know follow him on you know uh, the paparazzi watching him, and they just they, they take joy just watching him you know walk around the city and whatnot. I mean, and his goals, his games. I mean, everything he does for the city is is all it's all passion, his heart. I mean, like like Mark was saying, hey, I mean, he was born in the city. He's that's all the city he's known. Um, and the city really truly embraces him as their own, and it's just it's just a marvel to see. You don't see that anymore in a hometown boy who becomes a legend at, at his at his hometown city, and this, the fans just adore him. Um, it's just fantastic to see. I wish uh, I wish I was living in Rome to be witness to all of this, but we have to watch it from overseas here. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, it- Let's uh, let's let's uh, transition from Totti. It's it's kind of hard to when you talk about the legend that he is to another striker on Roma who was the Capocannoniere winner, uh, Aiden Dzeko. Uh, yes, twenty nine goals on the season. It did turn into a little bit of a race. I mean, the the main stage of these two teams, Roma and Napoli, playing at the same time was for second, but the Cap- Capocannoniere was uh, very much on the line. Uh, it ended with, uh, Aiden Jekyll scoring one. It ended with Dries Merton scoring one. So in the end, Aiden Jekyll is the capo Cananieri on 29 goals. Um, and in the end, uh, Mark, uh, deserving winner. And what a turnaround after last season. <laughs> yeah. 
I wonder what the odds were on him being that at the beginning of the season. I mean, he's he's still capable to the odd glaring miss, but you know he's done he's done brilliantly this season. And yeah, if you if you finish the top scorer, then you fully fully deserve it. No matter how many chances you've missed, at the end of the day, I think strikers and goalkeepers are so analysed for their mistakes and their misses. But yeah, I'm pleased for him. Like I said, he's he t- he took the chance to go there. It was initially alone. I think he was there for it from Man City, and then made the move permanent and reaped the rewards. I mean, I think Spalletti takes credit for that as well because even last year when Jekyll was fairly horrendous, he was still, you know, I've seen the real Jekyll in train and that will come out. And this season, that, like I said, he still had the odd glare and miss, but it's still in the positions to finish. It's uh, what a what a season for goals just all, all the way. We had six players scoring 20 or more goals on the season. Um, you know, you had, uh, you know, Dries Mertens go from being a nine uh, to being a, uh, or I mean, so go from a winger to being a nine, excuse me. Um, you know, Gonzalo Iguain turned it up uh, and turned this into a race. Uh, you know, an Italian emerged out of all of this, Andrea Bellotti, and what a season he had. Uh, you know, Richard, 1,123 goals in Serie A this season. Um, it is the... When would when in your life would you ever say between Serie A, Bundesliga, La Liga, Liga, and APL that Serie A would be the highest scoring highest scoring league on the season? Never. You would wonder if the other leagues are even played this year. Um, <laughs> Serie A was never known as the goal scoring league. It was always defensive. It was always defensive. And then when they started did, when they did start scoring, it was just all like, yeah, it's okay, but. It's boring, and that many goals get scored. Blah 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 blah. It's the highest scoring league in Europe. You can't say that anymore. They're, it's the most exciting league now. Is it as entertaining as maybe the Bundesliga? You could question. You can you could argue that. Um, but to say that they're the highest scoring team ever, you would ne- I would never think in my mind to say that. I mean, you would have thought something had gone wrong. Those other countries had wars or something that they couldn't play the leagues or something. <laughs> yeah. um, it's great. That's great. That it's great for Italian football because they finally shifted from that mentality of defensive tactics only to go out and attack like everybody else is. And it's beautiful to see because there are talented playmakers on the on the peninsula. So Yeah. Uh, it just shows, Mark, what a sleeping giant Serie A is in the combination of, of um, veteran yeah. strikers and then just uh, you know playing shamelessly to the Grande 50 that uh, the Gentleman Ultra put out earlier in the year. Just the influx of young talent that uh, that has contributed to this, to this all of a sudden renaissance of attacking football going on in Italy. Yeah, I mean, just even if you watch games, they're still tactical. There's still that element of tactics yeah, in yep. them that, that they haven't abandoned their principles. I just think that modern football, uh, the, the tactical tactical flexibility that sides have during games. I mean, how many times have you watched the sides change formation during a game to to accommodate the other team? That's that's great, and you know we've. The lack of funds that clubs have had over the last four, five, six years, they had to take, I've said before, they had to take an alternative view. And the youth is the best way to do it. Like I said, what's the Totty thing proved that there's nothing better than one of your own performing for your club. That's, that's brilliant. And this isn't going to go anywhere anytime soon either. Uh, when you take a look at uh, 
players are signing to stay with their teams in Syria. Uh, you don't see at the moment, uh, and we're, the, the silly season will be upon us in, in full swing before you know it. Uh, but, you know, Dries Mertens extended with Napoli. Uh, I believe I read somewhere that Milinkovic Savic is going to stay at Lazio. Um, you've got, uh, you know, uh, Lorenzo Insigne extending with Napoli. Uh, you know, players are staying in Syria. The, the the stars of the season are staying in Syria. Uh, can only be good for the league. Uh, just going to continue to raise the profile of Syria and uh, just going to keep getting better and better. I mean, you take the political aspects out of the transfer, but Higuain moving from one Italian club to another says mm-hmm. every, everything. You know, with, with the season he had last season, a record scorer for, for Serie A and all that. I'm sure there were suitors all over the world that were interested. Like I said, you take take the actual politics of what club he moved from and to, but the fact that he stayed in Serie A and again has performed high. Obviously, the expectations were massive, but he still still performed well. And like you said, you know, there's the baller. I think ex- signed an extended contract yeah, earlier in the season. You know, totally the hottest prospect in world football. You know, there's the, the futures. I mean, this season's been fantastic. Yes, yep. but I think this is sustainable and will be for the foreseeable future. Yep. Richard, do you agree? Springboard to uh, even bigger and better things for Serie A on the way on the way back. I think so. I think what you're going to see this in the during this summer silly window is that teams from or players from outside of Italy are going to start coming to Italy. Uh, and more stars are going to start coming towards Italy, especially to the bigger clubs. Not that they got money, um, so that could only enhance the enhance the sport and bring it back to when it was at, at its glory days in the '90s. You know, um, where everybody wanted to be in Italy. So I can see that I can see that change coming. Mm. Speaking of changes, and and on the topic, and and uh, Mark, I'll come back to you and get your opinion on this. It looks like uh, Syria is going to they have a little bit of a restructuring of their match week schedule. Uh, over the weekend from the looks of it. It looks like they're now going to have uh, what is by their standards an early game on Saturday. It's going to be 3 o'clock uh, Italy time. It's it's 8 o'clock where I live on Saturday. Normally you would see a 6 o'clock game and then an 8.30 game on Saturday, but it looks like um, they're going to be putting more games on Saturday. They're also going to have you know, three tiers of games on Sunday where, you you know, they have the traditional Sunday three o'clock time, which it looks like I think the, you know, the, the largest number of games will be in that slot. And then, uh, you know, six o'clock uh, Sunday, 830 Sunday, aside from making this podcast and in, in in this job a real pain in the ass now for Richard and I. Um, <laughs> It can it you know because I loved having the six games and having the multicultural here and being able to you know see scoring highlights as one game was going on and that sort of thing. But uh, it, it, you know spreading out the games could only be a good thing for Syria, couldn't it? I think so. I think there's only three games on the traditional Sunday afternoon slot. Um, do you? I think that someone said you can watch eighty percent of the games if. I mean, if I put when the schedule was put out and it was confirmed, I put I'm getting divorced because there's no way she'll let me sit there and watch <laughs> that amount I'm, of games I'm, I'm, over I'm, a week. Over I'm a glad weekend. you. I'm glad you said it. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, the, the brand of Serie A, we've all said that needs changing. That needs 
modernizing to a certain to a certain aspect and i think this is a great step forward and i also read on twitter as well that they're changing the tv the tv rights deal is up mm-hmm. up for tender from season after next and at the minute sky culture you can watch every single game on that i think they're doing away with that sort of spread out amongst different stations and different organizations which again takes away the monopoly makes it available to more people i think that's that's good that is a step forward and some of the on a sort of slightly off schooner but some of the clubs now and their social media stuff has been brilliant udinese have been excellent the last few few weeks considering how bad their team have been but as for the tv deals i think that's 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 great and yeah. especially if you're single, which I probably end up will be at this rate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm I'm just going to see if Syria can arrange to just mail me a nice package of highlights, uh, <laughs> and and maybe I'll get get away with watching a game or two. So yeah, the, the uh, only thing I, I I do hope is is for people from overseas traveling to Italy to watch games that they're a little bit preemptive with announcing which game is being played when because i've said before sometimes it's two weeks before you travel so mm. you, to to catch one game you might have to travel on a thursday and come home on a tuesday so yep. if they can just preempt which i know it's difficult because they try and pick the top games of that weekend on who's where in the table but that'd be my only thing if if the league can actually preempt the fixture list a bit earlier to, to aid people traveling. That'd be perfect. But, you know, it's a step in the right direction, like I said, for definite. I know that American, American football here, uh, national football league, they do, they do something similar to that with their schedule. Like, uh, and, and Richard, Richard, will know this on Sunday night is supposed to be the marquee game. Um, right. You know, and then what they do is they have the schedule releases and they have preset what, they have set up as their marquee game, and I think they've got up until about two weeks before that 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 game week to flex what they call flex out of it um, and and put in a different game if they think it's got bigger implications for playoffs or, or you know or something like that. So or how teams are performing, you know, yeah, yeah. So you know, it it it's, it won't be hard for them to do, uh, you know, if they're you know if they're proactive about it. So. Um, you know, so hopefully, uh, hopefully, yeah, for the sake of fans that are going to be traveling and going to games, hopefully that they're able to stay on top of that and keep the schedule timely, um, you know, so that it works for everybody. So, uh, but yeah, that it, it is exciting. Uh, it, it, it will, you know, to see the, to see the schedule spread out a little bit now, um, you know, it'll, it'll make, uh, it'll make the job for the three of us t- a, a little tougher, but, uh, but uh, tougher for you, you'll have a lot of early mornings. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, definitely not. So, um, but, um, but nonetheless, uh, nonetheless exciting, uh, to see the, uh, you know, the exposure for Syria kind of get spread out, uh, you know, into different time slots now. So, um, you know, so we've talked Roma, we've talked Totti, we've talked Napoli, we've talked Capocannonieri, highest scoring league, you know, scheduling, but, uh, Let's. Uh, I, I think this is saving the best for last, and this is with all due respect to Roma fans and to Francesco Totti. Uh, the relegation battle, I think, ended the way the three of us wanted to see it end. Um, I think the way you know anyone that was that is a casual fan of Syria um, 
that applauds and cheers for the underdog uh, wanted to see it end. And, 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 and Richard, shame on us for six months ago to question whether or not Cotone were just going to get 10 points. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we were on here with uh, Drake Cordero, and we were like, "Will he get ten points?" We're like, "I don't know." <laughs> remember those? Remember those times, man. Yeah. So midway through the season, they were at nine points, and would you would you say, Frank? You told me that the, the bottom three teams combined point total was a smaller gap, or sm- the gap between Empoli and the rest of them were is bigger than that, right? Yeah, or something like that. Yeah, yeah, it was something like that. It was like a double digit gap. Right. Uh, Crazy. I mean, they were just they were just dead and buried. Um, but uh, but nonetheless, Crotone 3, Lazio 1, and then Empoli lose at Palermo 2-1. Uh, nope. Palermo doing this. If we're going down, you're going down with us. Um, and uh, Love it. Love it. How about that? <laughs> and, the, and, and the scenes at Crotone. And this is, this is why, you know, you know for, this is why Match Week 38, Mark, uh, Mark is, uh, has its merits. Sometimes you're just looking at a lot of games like, oh, you can – you can just go play this at some recreational park and no one's going to care. Uh, but uh, I think we were all glued to what was going on in that last slate of games. And, you know, yeah, Inter and Udinese put on a goal fest, so did Torino Sassuolo. But I think, bottom line, everybody was everybody was interested. What What's going on with this relegation thing? Can Cotone do really the ultimate escape? Can you think of a bigger escape in Syria uh, from relegation than this? No. Simple as that. That was yeah. unbelievable. I think, I think the only defeat in the last ten games was to Juventus. Yep. Yes. I mean, I've said before that this is what sports all about. These stories and the fans and um, that was mad. I've got no connection with Crotone at all, but I was just that was crazy. Really emotional stuff. I mean, it, obviously, if I've you have to question where Empoli have been for the last six games because that could have been. But I mean, they never gave up. I mean, the, the, the real result that drew their attention is when they beat Inter two-one, and then you thought, yeah. "Hang on a minute, what's going on here?" And obviously, just, that that was crazy, absolutely crazy. And obviously, being a fan of the football team in Southern Italy, that's that's great to have another you know, representative up there. That was, but that was. Really, really emotional stuff. That's why we follow sport. So, Richard, uh, Cotone's last nine games, 20 points. Uh, if they had carried that form uh, the entire season, they would have finished fourth wow. and comfortably. Wow. They would have had 80, 81 points uh, on the season. So, um, and, uh, you know, just talk about how impressive this particular run is because it's not like they beat all bottom feeders to, you know, to survive. They beat Inter. They, they drew Milan. They beat, uh, you know, they beat Lazio here at the end. Uh, you know, they, uh, I, I believe they beat or they drew with Torino. So, you know, they, they had their work cut out for them. It wasn't like that they had, uh, you know, they had a whole bunch of uh, teams around them in the table position. They had to, they had to work their way out of this. How, how, how big was this for you? Um, it was huge. Because we said before this big run started that they would have to go on some kind of miraculous run to to stay up. Because with the teams they had in front of them, um, it didn't. It, it was very small chance. Very, I mean, zero percent chance of of you know, staying up. We had like some Inter, Milan, like you said, Juventus, Lazio, 
it was, it was just a juggernaut of, of a gauntlet of teams that you had to go through to stay to and catch Empoli all the while. And Empoli's schedule is much much softer than than uh, Crotone was at this point. Um, and then you know everyone kind of wrote it off. Um, I kind of been uh, jumped on their bandwagon in this all, all season, you know. And I even I, I, I there's no chance I thought there's no chance. And then they beat Inter, and you're like, hold on, what's going on here? And they start to keep getting results, keep getting results. You're like, holy jeez, what's going on? And then when, just oh. before they played Juventus, you're thinking, I mean, Juventus should win this, right? I mean, they're beating everybody else. I mean, it's it's possible. And then Juventus put them back to ground, and they beat them two nothing. Um, but then they came back and, you know, and then they get get the win today, three to one. It was just, it was a run of, a, it was a form of a team that's, like you said, that could qualify for Champions League. That's how good of a run they were. Is it sustainable for a whole entire season next season? Doubtful. But um, that was such an impressive run. I mean, the only team that had a better run than them at the end of the season was Juventus. Yeah. You know, and that's yeah, saying that's, something. That's, it's just, it's just jaw dropping. Uh you know what Cortoni has accomplished. Congratulations to them. We're sorry we shame on us for asking if Cortoni was even going to get ten points. Uh, yeah. You know when we when we started doing this podcast. So. Hey, but I'm getting a New Jersey now. I'm getting a Cortoni <laughs> jersey. I said I would, and I am I'm getting a Falcinelli <laughs> jersey. You gotta, we gotta get that. Gotta get a picture of you, a picture of you in that on Instagram. That's right. Uh, That's right. On the uh, Syria sit on Instagram and Twitter accounts, and uh, you know make sure make sure that you back that up. So. Um, you know what? And I was—I'm uh, actually in the middle of writing a Crotone article right now, and I was like, "Let me just hold off just in case they somehow win and they won." So now I'm gonna have to like completely change the ending now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mark, um, let's let's let, let's put a bow on this match week 38 on this Serie A season before we get in, before we start handing out some awards, uh, you know, for excellence and for dubiousness. Um, so many storylines. If you had to pick a storyline of the season, uh, what are you going with? Oh man, that's a real good question. Um, I think I'll just have to go with the Crotone survival. I think that'd be, uh, I think we all expected Juventus to win the league. I mean, then you can talk about obviously some of the football Napoli have played. Um, but yeah, I think of, there's also the undercurrent of the Inter Milan disaster. The Mil- both Milan clubs are not where they should be. But for me, just because you know, finished the season on a feel-good factor for Crotone fans, obviously not Embley fans. I think that's got to be my story of the season. I think. Yep, Richard. How about you? If you if there's a if there's a story of the season here for you, uh, what do you what are you going with? Mark Mark got the let's let's do this. Mark got the Crotone one, so we've got to get that other because we can all gush over what Crotone did. It's an obvious, <laughs> um, you know. But uh, pick another pick another great storyline from this season. I mean, there's so many to choose from. You know, between Napoli and Roma, both nearly scoring 100 goals this season. Um, you know the story of Atalanta, Lazio, what they did. Crotone, obviously. Um, you know Milan finally get back into Europe, but though, like Mark said, both Inter and Milan were not where they wanted to be. Um, Inter's collapse, <laughs> their carousel of managers this year. There's so many to choose from. Um, I am gonna go with. Man, it's tough. It's I'm gonna say Atalanta. You know, they, they Lazio. Yes, they were a good team. They did. They, they finished ahead of Atalanta, but. Um, what Atalanta were able to do with with the the band of mischief, mischiefs that they have to get into fifth place, um, the job that Gasparini did with his men, 
and all these guys now are going to get big big paychecks because of him and and the, the work that the, their squad did i mean papo gomez having a miraculous of a season uh he's 29 years old and it was the it was his greatest season of his career um it's just such a joy to to see uh atalanta now before the season they had no household names now they probably have eight household names and several guys are going to be leaving the club this uh this summer so for me it's atalanta like I said in one of my Calcio consultant pieces, when I congratulated Atalanta on clinching European football, and said just a matter of now how many of your players are going to be around to uh, enjoy European football with Atalanta versus how many are going to be enjoying it with other clubs. And I said maybe six uh, of that starting 11 will still be uh, Atalanta players at the start of the, the upcoming season. That's how highly valued many of them are. Um, you know, we're already talking about Frank Cassie on the way out and Andrea Conte being heavily linked. Uh, so... Um, that, that's going to be an interesting season, interesting situation to keep an eye on. You you bring in an un, you know you have a not highly thought of team. They overachieve. A lot of those players become attractive to some uh, to some of the bigger clubs. So, uh, you know, so okay. So Mark went with Cortone. Uh, Richard went with Atalanta. I'm going to go with the goals. Um, you know, just uh, like I like I've been saying, this is you know, you know, Syria has been a, a it's a sleeping giant and. I can't even say that about them anymore. I think uh, I think they've uh, they've woken up, uh, and um, you know I think if Juventus can win this Champions League here on Saturday against Real Madrid, it, which is something I've been predicting now for months, um, it's just going to be the icing on the cake. But the renaissance of goals, the players that have you know you know, and we're not talking about you know upstarts that are just popping up and scoring you know, 29, 28, 26 goals. These are established strikers. These are guys who have made a name for themselves in some shape, form, or fashion, uh, you know, names that we were familiar with. So, you know, you talk about Aiden Dzeko, you talk about uh, uh, Dries Mertens, you talk about Gonzalo Higuain, that the one upstart from that is Andrea Bellotti, uh, Chiro Immobile, uh, you know, getting his career back on track, coming back to, you know, coming home to Italy and, uh, you know, having a great season with Lazio. Uh, you know, goals and, and scored by prolific goal scorers, guys that you expect to be at the top of the Cabo Cagnari, but goals overall. And we had a, uh, a match week that, that equaled um, the record for most goals in the Serie A match week just a few weeks back, and, and Richard and I broke that down. Uh, great to see, you know, in attacking league, great to see goals being scored in a league that still is known for its tactics and still is known for its defending and, uh, you know, an organization. So, um, you know, that's where I'm going. I'll, I'll go with the goals. You know, what was your storyline of the season? Uh, if you want to chime in on Twitter or Instagram at Syria, sit down for each, uh, give us your thoughts there. Guys, what do you say? We hand out some awards. Let's do Yay. it. All Thank right. you very much. Oh, not for me. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you win the award for most appearances on Syria. Sit down. Um, Richard yeah, will work on R- Richard will work on getting you something for that. So, Cretonish, yeah. There you go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's let's move on to the Syria sit down team of the season. All right, gents, we spent the week hashing this out uh, and agreed that four three three is a good system to go to. I know that. Uh, the the back three system is starting to get trendy and, and fashionable again, and we actually had that in our squadra finola back in March. Um, or, or was it March or was it the the March? Uh, yeah, it was, yeah, it was March. Okay, um, and actually we might have done it on a couple occasions, but we have gone to a back four again. So we'll go through all of this and uh, 
we'll do it by position groups, uh, and we'll start with the goalkeeper, our, uh, and we'll just call him our goalkeeper of the season, uh, Gianluigi Donnarumma of AC Milan. Uh, Mark, uh, I, I, I mentioned I did a uh, Juventus Who's the MVP blog um, on my Calcio Consultant uh, site for World Football Index. Uh, the comment that I made is that as great as Gianluigi Buffon is, and maybe the, you know, for me, the greatest goalkeeper of all time, um, you know, Neto did play a fair amount of games and played a fair amount of minutes, 675 to be exact. That's, you know, seven and a half games, and he only conceded two goals in that space. So you can argue that anybody could play in goal for Juventus. Uh, you could also suggest that Gigi Donnarumma probably meant about 12 points to Milan this season. Without a doubt, I think some of the saves, some of the, some of the, def- I'd say defenders loosely uh, in front of Donnarumma this season. I mean, his age, everything you take into consideration. And like you said in your piece, uh, you know, Neto only conceded two goals in seven and a half games. And you look at what defenders Juventus have got. I think Rossi suffered a, a symptomatic thing when he was at Milan. He was a highly rated goalkeeper, but with the defenders he had in front of him, you know, he sort of underlooked. And I think yep. sometimes you forget how good Buffon is, but consistently called interaction and the saves he's pulled off, it could only be Donnarumma. Yep. Richard, you're good. obviously you're a Milanisti, so you're good with this, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm good with it. I mean, like like Mark was saying, you know, Donnarumma had shit in front of him, and he 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 was responsible for at least twelve points. Um, he was what he had to do. I mean, I don't know how Buffon would have dealt with, with that kind of defense that Milan had. Um, <laughs> but Donnarumma, you know, his his agility, his reaction time, um, and just a pure magical saves he had. He he was consistent all throughout the season. So. Uh, definitely a good pick for me. Um, I mean, there's a, uh, just sorry, but and there's a, I think it's on YouTube, still on YouTube. There's a, a two minute clip of Donnarumma in training. And yes, and, man, have you seen it? Yeah, that's when he was like 16, I think it was before he oh, played the first team. Yeah, unreal, phenomenal. absolutely unreal. He he's a, a phenomenon, and as a so obviously you two are as Milan fans, he's got to be top priority for. A renewal. Absolutely. If they don't, they're crazy. I think Mr. Fasone is doing a very nice job of setting the, uh, setting the table for him to eat, if you will, (laughs) you know, uh, you know, putting on a nice spread. Okay. Here, here comes, here comes Musacchio. So we finally got a, a, a stable partner for Romagnoli, uh, Kessie, uh, Ricardo Rodriguez at long last Milan have a, 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 a left back, you know, we're never going to have another Maldini, but at least, you know, someone that uh, Milan fans can get excited about. And, uh, you know, the talk of Alvaro Morata, if that's going to get uh, sorted out this week, kind of that there's your, there's your 25 goal striker. And I find he hasn't had the adequate run with any team, you know, to play that number of games, but the, the goals that he has scored in important games, you know, I mean, I can go on and on and on. So, you know, certainly they are setting the table, uh, you know, for, you know, setting up a Milan to make it attractive for him to stay. So, um, I, you know, I think that uh, uh, continuing to woo that super agent, uh, you know, to, you know, to convince him of it uh, is, is, is another story, I think. Um, you know, That's he's, a polite way of putting it. Yep. Yep. I think that's, uh, 
it's probably the most polite way I could be <laughs> about it. But, uh, but yeah, you know, if it, if it was any other agent, my guess is that a deal would be done already. But, uh, you know, on the one end, you can, you can hate me and on the other end, you've got to admire, Hey, he, he gets the money for his, he gets the money for his clients and he gets the money for himself. So, um, but, uh, I, Goal, uh, save of the season, the save against the save on Kadira, on Kadira uh, in the one 0 win at the at the San Siro for you guys. It is for me, definitely, and obviously to see it as well. So that made it even more special. Yep, yep, sealed off sealed off the win. Richard, you agree? Yeah, I mean it was last second. I mean that that would have tied the game at the last second, and he made a great save. He he stayed focused the whole entire game. You know, some some goalies would switch off. He didn't. Especially a goalie as uh, you know a goalie that young. So exactly. So Gianluigi Donnarumma is the uh, goalkeeper for the uh, Syria sit-down team of the season, which in turn makes him the goalkeeper of the season. So uh, moving on to defenders, our back four, uh, right back Danny Alves of Juventus, uh, center backs Leonardo Benucci of Juventus and Kalidou Koulibaly of Napoli, and then left back Alexandro of Juventus. Um, I think that uh, you know you could probably make a case that the regular starting back four, Richard for Juventus, <laughs> could be in this team of the season when you consider that in a in a league of attacking football and prolific goal scorers through 38 games, they only conceded 27 goals. I know it's, uh, it's ridiculous, and it was a team effort because you had Chiellini, you had Brazzali, you had um, Benatia back there too, Rugani. So I mean, their defense is just from from front to back. I mean, all the guys are just fantastic. Uh, Mark Kalidou Koulibaly is in here because he took some of those prolific strikers and those high goal scoring strikers and just put them in his back pocket and very, very underrated. And if you put him anywhere else, uh, you put him on any other team, there would be a lot more talk about him. Uh, without doubt. I, I said last season, he was the most improved player in Serie A and, uh, this this season he's just carried it on and he, he's a t- typical mo- modern centre half along with Benucci physically I mean he's so strong but he can actually play football <laughs> that's that's the bizarre thing there, there's clips of some of the the Napoli games where he's making passes that are bypassing them. not long balls balls on the floor that are bypassing the midfield in into the front three uh, I really do rate him I think he's a great player and obviously the links with Chelsea and phenomenal price tags have started to resurface as we enter into the transfer season but uh, just a really really top quality player yeah very very much in agreement there we've we've said so much about Leonardo Benucci he's uh, for me he's Juventus's player of the season um Richard, uh, our, our toughest call was right back. Uh, yes, yeah. Certainly weren't going to – you're certainly not going to get an argument from any of the three of us if you wanted to put Andrea Conti uh, of Atalanta there uh, over Dani Alves, right? Exactly. And Conti also had a fantastic season. and But Alves had the bigger of the games uh, this season, I think. He showed up, and especially the most important time for, Juvent- for Juventus, um, you know, in Coppa Italia and Champions League. So that's why he edged it out over Conti. Is that fair to do, Mark, to, to, to Conte because he doesn't get the exposure to those competitions or uh, does it just justify that here's, here's, here, here it is, Donny Alves, step up and, and, and show why uh, your experience matters in, in situations like this? 
I think so. I think Danny Alves has been there and done it, and it's up to Conti to put himself in a position to go there and do it, which mm. he, he has started to this season. Um, nobody expected the goals that Alves has scored, and I think that was the Champions League game. Um, the volley against, against Mon- uh, Monaco? Yeah. yeah. You know, <laughs> I never expected that, and everybody's. I did. The second Subasic punched that, and Danny Alves was I said, this is a goal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> As a fo- ex-fullback myself, I would have expected that to land for a throw-in, but, you know, he's class. <laughs> <laughs> he, he is class, and I think he does deserve it because, you know, consistently playing at the top level, and he came to Juventus. So I thought, was, I don't know why he came there, but he's proved his worth. And like I said, he's been part of that defence. He's conceded less than a goal a game in the league. Yeah. And uh, Richard Alexandro has just been a mainstay in this, uh, in, you know, in our team of the season. He's been in all four and, and will finish off. I mean, I, I argued in my piece, there's, I don't think there's been a better left back in all of world football. There hasn't. Um, and he's cemented his place since the beginning of the season. Uh, he's shown with his marauding runs down the down the pitch and his defensive play. I mean, in the first leg against uh, Barcelona in the Champions League, he shut him down. Not many people saw that, but every time uh, Messi got on his side, he completely shut him down, which is unreal for a, for a left back. You'd expect that from a central defender, not a left back. So Alexandro, while he's known for his he gets applauded sir, for his attacking sense. Um, he has learned how to defend since coming from already come from Porto, right? Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, he's he's an all around defender, very good. I mean, <laughs> very good is very is 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 way below where he actually is. He's he's excellent, um, and there's no doubt. There's no one even close to being competing to get that left back spot for our uh, final team of the season. Yep. Uh, good luck to uh, the Brazil manager trying to pick between him and Marcelo uh, for his left back at the World Cup. Alexander all day to me. Uh, to me too. So, but Marcelo's the brand name, so you never know. Uh, Red but, card uh, waiting to happen too. Yeah, yeah. Well, we, we we got another. We got we we got a player in the flop eleven that's a red card waiting to happen. We'll this talk is about true. So, <laughs> a couple of um, them. Couple. Yeah. There's there's quite a few. So. Uh, so those are our defenders again: Danny Alves of Juventus, Leonardo Bonucci of Juventus, Khalidou Koulibaly of Napoli, and Alexandra of Juventus. That's with all the respect. And also to uh, you know, I think other guys on honorable mention: Mattia Caldara yes. um, of Atalanta. Uh, you know, uh, Federico Fazio. I think yeah, uh, was yeah. reasonable for Roma this season. Um, you know, and, and, but uh, I, Bonucci and Koulibaly for me were class uh, as, as center backs. So, um, so those are our defenders: uh, midfield three. Uh, Raja Nainggolan of Roma, Marek Hamšík of Napoli, and Sami Kadira of Juventus uh, sneaks into our team of the season. Mark, we went back and forth as we were discussing this one. So who, you know, and again, I go back to my Juventus blog piece. But Sami Kadira or, or Miram, Miram Pjanic? Miram Pjanic or Sami Kadira? And in the end, we went with Kadira. Yeah, I think Pjanic sort of struggled to find his role at Juventus at the beginning of the season um, where Kadira has obviously played where he's played for years but Pjanic has made a difference and if he'd had this form consistently through the season I would have picked him but he did get off to a bit of a stutter and a bit of a, but again credit to Allegri for basically changing his role completely from what he'd done at Roma but yeah Kadira is consistent one of them players, a little bit like Hamsik, I think, unless you specifically watch him, you don't realise the work he does, the positional movement, the space he creates for others. 
And even his passing, I think, has improved this season as well. So, yeah, for me, that was a tough call, but Kadira in there on merit. Yep. And, and, uh, Matakamshik here, Richard. Um, I, you, we talked about this the last time we did this, uh, you know, back in March. Uh, you know, I think with Mertens, with Insigne emerging, uh, Kalion having a big role, Hamsik just got less and less appreciated, but I think his role was, and his performances were better and better. He, he pulled the strings to make all the other guys successful. Um, his his vision, his off the ball runs, um, his leadership. I mean, he did have an off season the year before, and this season he came back with a vengeance and showed that he is a special talent that we all know he is. Um, he's very underappreciated because you know with the likes, you know, like you said, Mertens, uh, Callihan, Insigne, uh, all these guys are getting the plaudits, but it's it's Hamsik pulling the strings. He's the one assisting everybody. Um, he's setting up setting up the whole orchestra. He's such a fantastic player, and not only a Napoli lucky to have him, Serie A is lucky to have him, um, and he's he's made Napoli made Naples his home now. And you know, years ago they thought he would leave, but now I don't see him leaving. He's he's kind of embraced the city much like you know, it's not the same, it's not the same, but you know, like Totti with Roma, um, he's part of that city. He loves that city, and like I said, he is the heartbeat of Napoli. He's the reason yep. why they are where they are. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Um, Mark, uh, Raja Nangalan, I would say that <clears throat> he had a lot of games where he showed that he was world-class, but I think at his worst this season, he was still good. <laughs> That's a brilliant way of putting it. I think he's been consistently good. And like you say, on the, more than a few occasions, he's been up there for the big games as well, not just, you know, a flat trap bully. He's for the big games. He's up, he's up there and, you know, you can question his lifestyle and his smoking habits and stuff as much <laughs> as you like, but man, he's, he's a player. He really is a top, top draw player. And I think for Roma to progress, they need to keep hold of players like him. And, I said there's I think he'll be the next captain after De Rossi as well. So we'll we've see. had John we've had John Solano on. Um he's very uh, you, uh not only a massive Roma fan, but he's got uh RomaPress.us and uh he has said that, you know, from everything he's hearing that Nangalan's going to stay there. Um, you know, for for some of the reasons you alluded to, Mark, he loves the nightlife in Rome. Um but uh <laughs> He's, uh, you know, but also he just he, he he loves the city, and I think that uh, you're, you know, to your point, I think he he will eventually he will eventually be the uh, next captain, uh, you know, once uh, De Rossi uh, uh, decides to hang it up. So, uh, Richard, any midfielders in here that uh, that you know we I I, I hinted at Pjanic a little bit. Um, anybody else that uh, honorable mention, you know, put him in this mix and uh, put him in this mix, and we're probably not gonna. Not going to get anybody getting too fussy about it. Um, yeah, definitely Pjanic, like you said. Papu Gomez is another name. Uh, fantastic season. You can put him at midfield or forward, really. Um, trying to think who else. Uh, I think Papu Gomez. Papu Gomez ended up being our most difficult snub. Yeah, yeah. No, he definitely was. Um, you could you can make a name for. Trying to think here. Uh, put me on the spot here. <laughs> um, Salaba. He's more of a he's more of a a, a winger and attacker. Yep. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, there's several guys. I mean, if you look at anyway, you could say Cassie had a pretty good season. Uh, Atalanta midfield was, was pretty solid all year. Lazio, you know, Bilia, uh, Milinkovic Savic. Yep. Um, those are those are names that had fantastic seasons as well. Um, you could, I guess, put Suzo in there possibly. Um, but yeah, the the guys that we picked are the ones that are the cream of the crop for sure. Yep. Mark, any any midfielders for you that uh, that just missed out on this group? I think if it weren't for a, a sort of dip in form for the whole team, I think Gagladini could have been a good shout. Yeah, I forgot yep. about him. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but I think these three are the, uh, with Pat Pjanic, the, the standout four. And uh, yeah, no, I think that's pretty spot on. Okay. Okay, well then that's again our midfielders, Raja Nainggolano Roma. Marikamsik of Napoli and Sami Kadira of Juventus. Uh, our attacking three, uh, Felipe Anderson of Lazio, Dries Mertens of Napoli, and Aiden Dzeko of Roma. And that rounds out our Serie I mean, this is, you know, and we talked about Papu Gomez probably was our toughest snub, Richard. Yes. Um, but Felipe Anderson and why he, you know, g- give the listeners why he makes this team. And for people who don't know Felipe Anderson, he is he he's almost like a trecortista. He controls the play so well. He he's he he's good coming back on defense, but his attacking sense is fantastic. His vision, some of the passes he's made this season to set up Chiri Mobile and Keita Balde uh, have been fantastic. And he can score as well. Um, he can play on the on the wings. He can play in the central in the, in the center of the center of the attack on the left wing. He's he's uh, so he's so versatile. Um, and he's consistent. I mean, he's had very. I mean, like he's almost like an angle in the sense he's not been world class, but he's been very good. But his bad games, he's still been pretty good. Um, so for his consistency, his playmaking ability, his vision, um, even his leadership, uh, that's why he's on our in our on our team of the year. And and Mark uh, Felipe Anderson's defending, ball winning, uh, ball winning activity goes very underrated, doesn't it? And that's something that's improved a lot this year. I mean, there was. You, you could aim that. I mean, seasons gone by of this prima donna, lose the ball, throw your hands about, don't do nothing. But this is, I mean, he's in a lot of teams of the year through through various things. But that like said, he's, his all-round play has been exceptional this year. I think, <laughs> excuse me, I think he was disturbed a little bit last year with the transfer rumours and the Manchester United thing and all this stuff, but this year, and we've got to give Inzaghi some credit for that as well. You know, he's moulded him into a, a really, really, really good player. Hopefully, mm-hmm. the one that we all expected to see a couple of years ago. And and uh, we didn't talk about him when we talked Capo Canonieri, Mark, but Dries Mertens to go from winger to false nine uh after the Arkadiusz Milik injury and just to to flourish the way he did uh I, I can't say I've seen you know you know until Mario Mandzukic uh sacrificed being a striker to playing on the left-hand side for Juventus uh you know what Dries Mertens did to help keep Napoli uh we talked about Merrick Hamšík Napoli aren't where they are without Hamšík they they're also not where they are without Mertens goals and the fact that Milik has stayed out of the side since he's come back from injury says everything. Mm-hmm. Mertens, to me, has is, is been a revelation. And they said all, all, new contracts signed, I believe. And, yeah, he's he's been exceptional. Like I said, and that's and not just a... Originally, I think that he played as a false nine, but now he's a, an out-and-out nine. Mm-hmm. And, and that 
you know that that whole team have been a joy to watch, but him especially uh, been yeah. fantastic. When you uh, when when you yeah, you when you perform to the level where one striker gets sold to uh, to another club, and then uh, the man that your team originally invested in to be the nine uh, gets injured, and then when he's back, like you said, doesn't doesn't can't can't make a dent <laughs> team. Says a lot about what Dries Mertens is has meant. Um, Richard, a couple of Juventus players, uh, and you and I talked about Mario Mandzukic last week, um, and then also Paulo Dybala. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously, Dybala is elevated to, to becoming a class player. Um, you know, but uh, both of these guys, and, and then I think that this just speaks to Serie A being such a prolific league and full of great attacking talent. Uh, that the two players like this on a championship team can't get into our our team of the season. Yeah, and it's not that they don't deserve it. It was just that Mertens deserved it that much more. Uh, Mandzukic would make it at any other time, but uh, because you know he was outscored by Mertens and assisted by Mertens, you know that's not to say Mandzukic had a down year. He had a fantastic year as well. Um, and Dybala, I mean, what can you say about him? He he's flourished in this trequartista role. Um, but again, Mertens, you know. As many goals as Merton scored, he's assisted just as many. Um, so he, as as great as Dybala's been this season, he's becoming a class player. Merton's has been just far and above. Well, I won't say far and above, but he's been above, played even better than Dybala. Um, so while those are the pretty hard snubs to make, um, Merton's is fully, fully, you know, deserving of this. And and uh, Mark, if um, Juventus got to play all of their games at the J Stadium, Paulo Dybala's a a slam dunk for this team then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Without a doubt. As, like I said, his improvement as well and his commitment. I think I see a couple of days ago about how he's, you know, going to work harder to play better with his weaker foot, his right foot. So, you know, he, he hasn't got to where he is and think, I made it. I'll, I'll, he's still working on his game and improving and I see he, he'll be future Ballon d'Or winner for me without a doubt yep yep gotta wait for Messi and Ronaldo to retire for anybody to win the Ballon d'Or though it seems yeah uh, exactly. uh but uh uh and then Andrea Bellotti <clears throat> excuse me Moro Icardi these were our two strikers uh you know in the squad of Finora in March and we went with forwards that scored goals that you know where would their teams where would the teams be without those goals? Uh, and I think we've come back to you know the top two scores in the league with Mertens and and uh, and and Jekko. And again, you know the depth of attacking talent in Serie A this season. You could make a case for Belotti and Icardi as well. Although Icardi had the injury, missed the last couple of games, um, and then you know Inter actually went on to perform without him. They beat they won at Lazio. Uh, okay, throwaway game against Udinese, but they still scored five goals. Um, you know. Might tend to might tend to tell you that uh, they can put, they can do it without Icardi, uh, but uh, you know Belotti obviously went on a, a a little bit of a spell here without scoring, uh, and everybody was wondering what's wrong with him. There's nothing wrong with him. He's just not scoring goals. He's still playing with the same commitment and still playing with the same passion. He's just not putting the ball away. So, um, you know. But uh, any other attackers that you guys uh, you know think we should just kind of give a shout to um, for. Uh, uh, I, 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 Richard, along the lines of the jersey you're going to buy, I'm sure there's one that you want to give, uh, <laughs> give a shout to, right? Yeah, I mean Diego Falcinelli, fantastic season playing for Crotone. Um, you know, ro- you know Bobby English, Roberto Inglese for uh, for Chievo. 
I mean, the old man, also there at Chievo, uh, Pelissier, Sergio Pelissier. He had a fantastic – Marco Borriello, of all people, you know. Um, there's a lot of guys who you know, were deserving. I mean, Insigne, Callejon, they were, definitely you could say them. Um, Gomez, we talked about. Salah, where would Jekko be without Salah, you know? Um, and Suzo is another one, another attacker, you could say. Yep. You're you, you sure you're not really a cable fan because your vocal inflections just change ever so slightly <laughs> when you talk about Inglesi and Pelissier. I've just noticed this throughout yeah, the season. Yeah, maybe I yeah, maybe the closet cable fan. <laughs> I did like it when I was at the Verona train station, so maybe maybe that did something to me. <laughs> uh, Mark, anyone any, anyone else? I mean, there's just so many attackers this season. Yeah, I think Richard just. Um, Named them all. I think a little bit of resurgence of the old guys, the, the Boreallos and the Pelissiers and stuff like that. But again, Falcinelli, 12 goals in that side. As I said, that's so strong in depth through the whole league. It's been brilliant. Apart from yep. Embley, of course. Yep. Uh, it's just, uh, yeah, apart from Empoli, which, uh, you know, it, it says something and, and certainly they deserve the relegation when the Cabo Cananieri. Uh, scores as many goals as your entire team. So, uh, <laughs> you know, in a, in a Serie A season. So, Jekko 29, Empoli 29. So, uh, just uh, what a joke. And, uh, you know, sorry for Skorupski, but, uh, you know, glad to see Empoli going down. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, uh, just, uh, the better team stayed up. The better team stayed up, no doubt about it. Um, so, to give you the Serie A sit-down team of the season once again, uh, Gianluigi Donnarumma of Milan is our goalkeeper. Our back four, Dani Alves of Juventus, Leonardo Bonucci of Juventus, Kalidou Koulibaly of Napoli, and Alexandro of Juventus. Midfielders, Raja Nainggolan of Roma, Marek Hamšík of Napoli, Sami Kadira of Juventus, and our attackers, Felipe Anderson of Lazio, Rhys Mertens of Napoli, and Aiden Dzeko of Roma. Uh, got a problem with it? Go to at Syria Sit Down on Twitter. Uh, or Instagram, uh, and uh, give us a shout. Uh, we ran over a bunch of names here that we think are deserving. You're probably going to say them. Uh, fair enough. We're not going to fight you. But uh, this is the Serie A sit-down team of the season. So uh, let's sound out. Let's let's sound out some dubious ones, guys. What do you think? Do it. All right. <laughs> So by the sound of that transition music, we're about to get into our flop 11. Richard changed it up. <laughs> so <laughs> um, these are the 11 that we think uh, were just brutally bad. And unlike other flop 11s, uh, you actually have to get games and suck. <laughs> flop 11. So Gabi Goal, um, you're excluded from this. Yeah, so Gabi Goal, Gerson... Uh, you know, just you, you, you didn't get games, so you are you are spared uh, you are spared our wrath. So you have to prove uh, how rubbish you are. That's right. That's <laughs> right. Mark's point. Absolutely. You have to earn it. <laughs> yep, yep. Yep. You know, just uh, leave leave your leave your stench on the pitch uh, and and do it multiple times. So uh, we went four four two for our flop eleven, and uh, the sooner we get through this, the better. I think for everybody involved. Uh, goalkeeper Josip Posovic of Palermo uh, says a lot when you're raided and you're playing for a team doomed to relegation and you get benched. Um, and then uh, our back four is a very naughty one. Uh, Mauricio Isla of Cagliari, uh, Eduardo Goldaniga of Palermo, Gabriele Paletta of AC Milan, and Cristiano Biraghi of Pescara. 
Mark, the goalkeeper and the defenders, I, we can't we can't get any worse than that, can we? No. I mean, you've got a record breaker in Paletta for the most red cards in the season or joint with five red cards. He's been a disaster. Eastley, you would expect to have performed a lot better in that calorie side. But I mean, for me, the goalkeeper for Palermo was just, let's see, you get Baines for being woeful and somehow they managed to find someone slightly worse than you. <laughs> and you come back and you perform even worse than you did before. That's amazing. <laughs> Incredible. Incredible. Uh, yeah, Richard Paletta is Argentinian for red card now, it turns out. Apparently, yeah. What a joke of a player. I mean, we it started out the season so fantastic and then went to shit. Um, yeah. I mean... <sighs> I mean, he as many games as we said, you know, Donnarumma has saved Milan. He's cost Milan this many games. Paletta has. Um, I mean, it's stupid fouls. I mean, when you already have a yellow card, you should think, okay, maybe I should be a little bit more cautious on how I, I tackle people. Nope, not him. Yeah, that means he has to amp it up and get even a stupid foul to get, you know, kicked out of the game. I mean, and the last game of the season showed it right there, you know, that he cost the team three points right there. Um, it was this reckless play. Um <sighs> I, I, he, Milan needs to do away with him because he's costing them too many points. When, you're, yeah. when, you, when you get that many red cards, you're just you're hurting the team more than anything else. And we talked about Donnarumma getting Milan twelve, maybe twelve points this season. Paletta's has probably cost the team uh, somewhere in that neighborhood between yeah. 10 points. So well, five uh, games that might have been fifteen points there if they lost all those. Yeah, 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 indeed. So um, you know, and, and again to to Mark's point, Isla is a better should be a better player than this. He's yes. an international, he's a Chilean international, uh, you know, starts it right back there, but he, you know, yellow card after yellow card for him this season. Um, <clears throat> Goldanaga got the most appearances uh, for a very bad Palermo defense. Uh, and then of course, Pescata conceding 81 goals on the season and Cristiano Beraghi, the combination of being part of that defense and also being a yellow card magnet himself. Um, just, uh, you know, just kind of, I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a microcosm of what Pescara was this season, unfortunately. Uh, you know, so uh, kind of hard to find anybody else to, to, to be this, uh, this goalkeeper in back four. So, um, midfielders, uh, Lucas Ocampos of Milan and Genoa, the man that nobody seems to love except for his girlfriend, um, Simone, Simone Padoin of Cagliari. Bruno Henrique of Palermo and Asani Dius of Empoli. Uh, Bruno Henrique, though, scored. Uh, he probably heard he was making the flop 11 and he's trying to do a last ditch thing here saying, hey, I, <laughs> hey guys, come on. Too little, too late. Too little, too late. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Just one goal at the last game of the season is not going to change our mind. Uh, Mark, your thoughts on this uh, on this heap of midfielders? Uh, I'm the same with everybody with Ocampos. What do they see in him? I have no idea. I think he's awful at best. Padouin, I think you can put in the same bracket as Isla. You expect him to go to Calgary and do better, show a little bit more than what he has. And do you say he's 12 yellow cards this season? I know he's only 19, but I think sometimes you just have to give up, take him out yep. of the firing line, but they never did. I don't presume they had too many options. And man, that's a terrible midfield. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Richard, your thoughts on these, on these four. And, and do you see it was another one that uh, you, you scratched your head that, okay, Empoli, you have Jose Mauri on loan from Milan. 
he's a little bit better than this guy. <laughs> What's going and, and he's not getting as many appearances. What's going on here? Yeah, I mean, I don't know what that. I mean, I think Maori would have been a better selection for Empoli than uh, Diose was, especially with all his yellow card problems. Um, he he just he's young and naive, and he needs to learn how to control himself better and not make such stupid plays to get constantly get yellows. Um, another person, you know, Bruno Enrique. He's kind of like, in a sense, we talked about Felipe Anderson last season where he was just, you know, when he gives it the ball, he just, ah, whatever, I don't need that. He doesn't care. Throws his hands up, cries. Um, he needs to have a little bit better composure with himself. I mean, he, he's got talent, but he just doesn't, seems like he's just lazy. Yeah. You know, it's a typical thing we hear with, you know, Brazilians, I guess, which is bad because, you know, there's several good, hardworking uh, Brazilians like Alexandro and Danny Alves. So um, those two stood out for me in the midfield. Lucas Acampos, he's just a joke of a player i mean he he had his one good season in monaco and ever since then he's been overrated so yeah i mean and that's just it he's ever since uh ever since he's been at monaco everyone's been waiting for this this player to show up and uh just it, it just hasn't happened so uh and then our two attackers uh carlos baca of ac milan and manuel pucciarelli of empoli mark there has to be a fall guy for empoli only getting 29 goals yeah, that was him, Magaroni. Well, I can't even remember the the other striker's name. Yeah. But yeah, Pucciarelli's consistently been firing blanks, as they say. Yep. He has had chances. They, in the case of Empley, haven't created. They have created. They've just got the three worst strikers I've ever seen on a Serie A roster. Yeah, and they had El Caduri come over, and that gave them a little bit of a boost, but obviously not enough. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's three goals on the season, uh, when you're looked to, to, you know, to, 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 to supply the, uh, to supply the scoring, um, and you're relying on old men like Massimo Macaroni. And I believe, uh, Giladino had a role with this team very, very early in the season. Um, it just, uh, just hadn't worked out. And, um, you know, Richard Carlos Baca has gone from prolific goal scorer to man that runs in cement boots. Yeah, I mean, he did get 13 goals this year, but he was pretty much non-existent in most of the games. Um, and, and he brought a lot of this on himself, you know, from going, you know, during the, during the, during the break, during the midseason, going to Sevilla, you know, causing speculation there. Um, he's been you know, vocal about, you know, not wanting to be there next season. Um when he's on the pitch, when when Milan team they they drop back in the in, uh, in defense, and they leave him alone up top, he seems like he doesn't know what to do with the ball. He doesn't run. He doesn't run very well. He doesn't support the other players very well. Um, the only thing he does well is poach when in front of the net. And if he doesn't get the service, he pouts and whines about it. Um, he's all he's been has been a, a dark cloud for Milan for most of the season, and that's why Lapadula's gotten so much playing time is because Montella's seeing this, and he doesn't like he doesn't like he needs someone who's going to work work for the ball, not someone who's going right. to pout and cry all the time. Yeah, I right. think Montella's sorry Montella's comments yesterday were interesting. Yes, I could have coached Bagger better, but then Bagger could have gave me more of what I wanted. So there's obviously been issues between the two of them through the season. Yeah. And yeah. that's a polite way of saying, see you later. I'm glad you're going. Yeah. Yep. All right. And so that is our Serie A sit-down flop 11 of the season. Again, uh, uh, Josip Posevich, the goalkeeper for Palermo, uh, back four of Mauricio Isla of Cagliari, Gabriele Paletta of Milan, Eduardo Goldaniga of Palermo, and Cristiano Biraghi of Pescara. A midfield of Lucas Ocampos, who was at Milan and then Genoa before that. 
Simone Padoin of Cagliari, Bruno Enrique of Palermo, and Asane Diose of Empoli, with strikers Carlos Baca of Milan and Manuel Pucciareri of Empoli. Uh, now, each panelist will uh, hand out some uh, individual awards. And let's start with uh, we're going to go we're going we're all going to go individually and and give our manager of the season. And Richard, I'm going to start with you. Your manager of the season is and why? Simone Inzaghi. Um, when he was first hired, he was just an afterthought because of Bielsa left. Um, and people weren't sure really how he's going to do with the team. He's created a, a very good squad in, in Lazio. He's gotten, you know, Keita Bale to, to step up. Chiri Mobile having a resurgence of a season. Um, you know, Milikovic Savage stepped to the front. You know, Likas Bilia. It goes on and on and on. Uh, this Lazio team, despite what happened yesterday, uh, are a very, very good team. They end up getting a, a Champions League qualification. Well, not Champions League qualification. Europa League. Um, so... The team is it's a very good fun team. They nearly won the uh, Coppa Italia except they run to the bus saw that was Juventus. Uh but the work that Inzaghi has done both, you know, corralling all those egos and getting them to play as a team, but also to build uh the tactical sense that his team has had um throughout the season. I it's without a shadow of a doubt for me manager of the year. Okay, Mark, your manager of the season is who and why? Uh Gasparini at Atlanta just for the Phenomenal season they've had, qualification for Europe. The, the, the important thing to me as well, I, obviously there'll, there'll be an exodus next year, but he signed a new contract, so he's obviously aware of what's coming next year. So I don't think this is a flash in the pan. I think obviously Atlanta's academy is well-renowned for churning out top-quality players. But yeah, I, for me, he's manager of the season. Great shouts for both of them. Um, since you guys each picked, you know, I, I could break the tie, uh, but I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with one that I think is getting a little underappreciated here. Uh, somebody that I went to bat for Pioli uh, in the previous blog. No, not Pioli. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go out in left field on this one, and I'm going to give my manager of the season to Luciano Spalletti of Roma. Um, and, uh, why, uh, 87 points, highest point total Roma's ever gotten having to do it while fighting off Napoli, uh, to keep the automatic champions league place, you know, forcing Juventus to get, you know, to clinch this Scudetto at week 37, when I think the rest of us were saying that this was going to be done by match week 29 and 30, 29 or 30, dealing with the Francesco Totti distraction. Uh, and dealing with it perfectly, uh, in my opinion, he's 40, he sits. We're, we're playing these guys, and we're trying to get as many points possible, trying to get into that automatic Champions League group stage. Um, no doubt, Simone Inzaghi was excellent at Lazio, and again, Gasparini, phenomenal at Atalanta. But what Luciano Spalletti did managing Roma with what he had to put up with, I mean, and, and you put the cameras on him, he never looked happy about it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, but I'll, I'll, I'll rate him as my manager of the season. And I, you know, I thought about this for, for a long time, but it's like, you know, look what he's done with a lot of the distractions that he's had to, you know, that he's, that he's had to deal with. Uh, it got him to second and got him to 87 points with one team breathing on his neck and still trying to pursue the other. Um, you know, very impressive, uh, you know, very impressive for me uh, to, uh, to, to see that happen. So 
Uh, so Richard says it's Simone Inzaghi. Mark says it's Gasparini, uh, Gasparini. I say it's Luciano Spalletti. So those are our managers of the season. All right. Um, breakthrough player of the season. Uh, Mark, your breakthrough player of the season is who and why? Um, my breakthrough player of the season is Patrick Schick at Sampdoria. Nice. Um, nice. Uh, and super sub to, to begin with came on, changed the game. And then with Sampdoria dipping for injuries, I think he picked the mantle up quite well. And, you know, interest from Juventus circulating at the minute proves what a what an impact he's had on the season. But yeah, he's my breakthrough player of the season. Excellent. Excellent. Richard, your breakthrough player of the season is who and why? Um, it was tough. I, I wanted to go with an, a certain Italian who plays in Torino, uh, but I think mm-hmm. I've leaned now towards um, Suzo Fernandez of AC Milan. Um, he always had the potential. He never got the playing time. And then, you know, he started out the season really well, and then Jack Bonaventura went out with injury, and he stepped up and led the team offensively. Um, and he, he started became a threat, and everyone started noticing him. The team started doubling him. Juventus was doubling him. That's, that shows you how much respect they had for him. Uh, with that lethal left foot, his free kicks, uh, his passing ability. Um, so he, he stepped up and became a, a leader for Milan and someone they could count on week in, week out, unlike, you know, Baca, who was, who was not that guy. Uh, so... Suzo Fernandez for AC Milan for me. Okay. Um, my breakthrough player of the season is Papu Gomez of Atalanta. Uh, you know, uh, hard to call a 29 going on 30 year old player, a breakthrough player of the season, but uh, every bit is instrumental to Atalanta's success and their fourth place finish in Serie A as, as anyone else they had. Uh, the creative spark to this team, uh, scoring, assisting, uh, you know, you name it. Uh, uh, just uh, just a great player to watch and getting a well-deserved call-up to uh, the Argentina national team as a result, uh, whether he gets into that team for any for, for either of the qualifiers is, is another story. He probably won't with uh, what Argentina has to pick from. But nonetheless, uh, you know, certainly uh, when your national team coach is even taking notice, it's, it says something about you. So my breakthrough player of the season, Papu Gomez of Atalanta. Good with that one, guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, so uh, again, that was uh, uh, Richard. Your breakthrough player of the season was Suzo. Uh, Mark, your breakthrough player of the season was Patrick Schick. No problem with either of those. Mine was Papu Gomez. All right, uh, now each panelist player of the season. Uh, Richard, player of the season is who and why? My player of the season is Dries Mertens. Um, the, the ability to learn a new position this year and excel in it, um, getting goals galore, just missing out on the Capo Canieri, um, and then all the assists he's provided this season to you know to all the all his teammates. Um, he by far to me was the best player of the season, number one for me. I'm gonna I'm gonna before I get to Mark, I'm gonna agree with you. That was my player of the season. Um, I think David Amoyel asked your, you know, on Twitter. He said, "Give it your your three your three best players of Serie A this season." And I said, "Mertens, Leonardo Bonucci of Juventus, and then Nine Golan of Roma." And then at the end, out of those three, I'm looking at who was absolutely most important to his team. Uh, and for me, it was it was Dries Mertens. Uh, so uh, again, we talked about it going from winger to false nine to what Mark said out and out nine. 
uh, and just flourishing at it. Um, a huge reason why Napoli are, are third and back in the, you know, at least in the Champions League playoff. Uh, so for me, uh, Dries Mertens is the Serie A player of the season. Mark, is it unanimous or are you going a different direction? No, it's unanimous for all the reasons we stated. Like I said, <clears throat> he's become so important to what Napoli are, their style of football, you know, the change of position, keeping Milik out. Uh, that's, uh, I couldn't be anyone else. It had to be Mertens, I think. Yep. Yep, there's, uh, so we're unanimous there. Dries Mertens of Napoli, uh, the Serie A sit-down player of the season. Congratulations. Uh, you wonder if he's listening. Uh, so uh, <laughs> He so will be when he hears about it, for sure. Oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we can so get Lothar Mateus to tell him, huh? Because he's we don't, in between us. Yeah, we don't have anything that. to... We don't have anything to send him. We'll just, you know, accept our accept our sincerest congratulations. A brand new so. Di- Diego Falcinelli Crotone jersey. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he'll appre- I'm sure he'll appreciate that. I'm sure Mr. De Laurentiis will appreciate that. Uh, so, so those are our, that's our player of the season. We also gave our breakthrough player of the season and our manager of the season. Uh, give us your votes for each of these categories at Serious Sit Down on Twitter uh, and Instagram. Uh, we finish with our. Champions League final preview. The big one, Saturday, June 3rd, Cardiff, Wales, uh, Juventus and Real Madrid. Uh, Fino Alafine, it's time. All of the the buzz phrases for the old lady. Uh, you know, Mark... Two European Cups for Juventus uh, have been to the final on another half dozen occasions and lost. Uh, why do they beat Real Madrid on Saturday? Because of that defence, to be honest with you. I think that defence is... We saw what they done with Barcelona, completely shut them out, two clean sheets. I think... On its day, that Barcelona attack is the best in the world, better than what Madrid can offer at the minute. And I think if they're going to win, that'll be down to the what we call the dirty stuff that are defending, and that will be what win it for them. Against, obviously, Ronaldo's another player who's going through a transitional period in his career. It's not sure if he's a wide player anymore or a striker. I just think the experience at that. I presume he'll still go with a back four and not back three, but whatever formation he'll play, that is the best defensive unit in European football, and that's what I expect to decide the match. Richard, do you see? I mean, there's the well, you know, Mark says these things. Obviously, yeah, clearly the clearly the best defense uh, in the world, um, but not going to be. This isn't going to be Catanaccio on Saturday. They're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna set things up. Maybe middle third of the pitch. They're gonna, they're gonna confront them a little higher, um, especially with uh, you know some of those Real Madrid defenders. I don't, I don't find them to be the most technical on the ball. No, no, they're definitely not. That's a clear advantage for uh, for Juventus. This is going to be a midfield battle because you have you know the likes of Cruz and Mo- um, and Modric in the middle. Uh, for Real Madrid and with with Juventus's midfield, um, that's where it's going to be won. Now the question is, you know, how does Max Allegri set up? Does he set up in a three-five-two, clog that middle, uh, or is he go with the you know four-four-four-two-three-one? Uh, um, 
either way, I think, you know, it's Juventus are going to be, yes, they're going to set up tactically, you know, defensively, but they're going to counterattack like crazy. Uh, when you have Dabala leading the charge, um, Kadir, um, Pjanic, and, you know, Menzukic, his hard work rate, Cuadrado, um, they're very much going to be attacking. And it's going to be, the game's going to be one in the midfield, I, I believe. And if Juventus can clog it up and control the play, uh, that's that's gonna bode dangerous for Real Madrid because once they get to that back the 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 back four of Real Madrid, um, they're not even close to being as as good as um as Juventus. Juvent- Real Madrid have the advantage where they have a little bit taller guys, they can a better leaping ability from the back, but um, that's on set peach is gonna be dangerous, you know, especially with Ronaldo out there. Um, he's been cr- playing, he's been a ten pretty much all Champions League. Um, so, you know, it's if Juventus can win that midfield, I think they're gonna win this match. And don't underrate. Yeah, let me just jump in. Don't uh, you talked about uh, Kroos and Modric? Don't underrate Casemiro's role. Yes, uh, in that Real Madrid team either. He he blows a lot of things up, but he also can he also can create some problems going forward. Mark, what were you going to say? Yeah, uh, I'll pinpoint the defense is the key. I didn't. I don't expect the events to roll up and play Catanaccio. Yep. I just think no. that's with Benucci as well. You've also got a springboard of attack from defense, but I think. Yep. I also think Cuadrado is important with the fullbacks from Madrid doing what they do. There's space galore behind them. Obviously, they, I don't expect the two of them to stand up there and wait for balls to be fed to them. Their defensive work will be important. But, yeah, I, I think the, the Madrid pedigree in the Champions League is something you can't ignore, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's going to be interesting. Um, for me... Where you're going to get Real Madrid is going to be on their right-hand side. Uh, Carvajal's been out. He won't play Saturday. And, and Danilo has not really convinced, um, you know, in his stead. Uh, you know, that's where you have somebody working like a Mandzukic. Uh, you know, can Dybala gets over there and links up with him a little bit. You've got Alexandro bumming forward. I think Juventus's left-hand side is going to be the strength in this game. I think I said this... Um, <laughs> leading up to the tie against Barcelona. And uh, in the first leg, the first goal came from the right. <laughs> so, um, you know, but that's in theory uh, what could happen. Um, you know, but uh, as far as formation for Juventus, I think, uh, I, I hope Allegri dances with what made Juventus pretty much unstoppable from the beginning of this, you know, the beginning of this calendar year all the way on. And then that's that, that's that four, two, three, one. Um, you know, I, you know, as much as I like Andrea Barzali, I think he's a guy that should come on as a substitute. Should Juventus get a lead, uh, and you bring in that third center back to, to, you know, to tighten things up. Um, but I like, I, I like how that four, two, three, one operates. I like how everybody functions in that setup. Uh, and I think that that's the system that would give Real Madrid the most problems. Um, Let's get to predictions on this game, guys. Uh, I'll go first. I've been saying since October that Juventus is going to win this Champions League. I have no reason to back off from that stance. Um, And uh, I think this is going to be a tight game. I think this is going to be a very tense game. Um, And uh, I think this is going to be 120 minutes. And I think it's going to go to, I think it's going to come down to penalties. Uh, I think it's going to be 1-1 in the 120 minutes, but then when it comes down to penalties, you're asking me to pick between Gigi Buffon and Kaylor Navas. Give me Gigi Buffon every day of the week and twice on Sunday. Well, give it to me twice <laughs> on Saturday, since the game is on Saturday. 
and I will take Juventus uh, 1-1 after 120, and Juventus win on penalties. Uh, Mark, let's get your prediction. Um, 2-1 to Juventus after 120 minutes. Okay, so you think it'll go to extra time as well? Yep. Um, okay, and then uh, Richard, how about you? Um, I, I think it's going to be a very tight affair. I think it's going to be you're going to you're going to need to have a, a, a everyone's going to have to play tens to shut down Ronaldo and the form he's in right now. Um, I think Juventus jump out to a two zero lead. Ronaldo gets a goal to make it two one, and then they hold on for dear life and win it in ninety minutes. All right, there you go. So I'm calling for Juventus to win it on penalty kicks. Mark is calling for a two one win after extra time and Richard says Juventus get it done in 90 uh, by a final of two goals to one. What do you guys think? It's going to be a hell of a game. Uh, go to at Syria, sit down on Twitter or Instagram uh, with your thoughts. All right. We're ready to put a bow on this Syria sit down in this Syria season. But before we get to the social media check, Mark, Richard and I got to appear each got to do our own, uh, uh, 11 pieces of me, the 11 pieces of me pod on world football index. Check that out. If you're not familiar with it, uh, listeners, um, uh, a lot of good insight, a lot of good teams, especially, uh, Richard's team and my team. Um, you're going to find a lot of Liverpool guys and a lot of Liverpool picks and some of the other ones. So, uh, but if you want some good Syria, uh, discussion and good Syria decisions, uh, you know, go to our team. So, um, Mark, you have to pick a winner between my favorite retired 11 and Richard's favorite retired 11 before we end this. I'll give you mine. Uh, I went with Sebastiano Rossi in goal, uh, back four of Cafu, Franco Baresi, Alessandro Nesta, and Paolo Maldini, midfield of Reno Gattuso, Clarence Sadorf, Zinedine Zidane, and Dejan Savicevic. Uh, with Roberto Baggio and Andrei Shevchenko at forward. Richard, and, and your my, 11? My team, uh, goalkeeper Chilaver, uh, right back Zanetti, then you got Marcelo Bordone with Nesta in the, in the central defense, with Maldini on the left. Uh, the one central defensive midfielder is Gennaro Gattuso. Your attacking midfielder attackers uh, are Andrei Shevchenko on the right, but Roberto Baggio in center, Diego Maradona on the left. And the two strikers up front, you got Jurgen Klinsmann and Oliver Bierhoff. A Fantasia formation. Fantasia. That's <laughs> <laughs> a, a call between structure and chaos. Yeah. <laughs> the way I look at it. Um, some fantastic names, some great memories. But I think Frank's 442, just Nixon. <laughs> recount, recount. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't see how your team would be structured, Richard. That's just mad. That's brilliant. That's, that's mad. Four one three two. It's all out attack. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is all out attack. But Mark, Mark as, as Mark as Laura Bradburn said, and when she guested with us a few weeks ago, the checks in the mail. Quali. <laughs> <So. laughs> so, no, that, that's some two great great teams. But yeah. I'm going for Saggy and his four four two. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. So, and then Richard, your, Richard, your team's pretty strong. I'd, I'd, I'd hate to figure out how to, how to defend that. To be all, to be honest with you. So, uh, set pieces except, would be a nightmare. Except Bierhoff, I wouldn't have to worry about defending until there were corners and set pieces. So, yeah, yeah, uh, Klinsman too. <laughs> no, I did. I did try to get Totti in. He, you know, he retired yesterday, so I tried to get him in there, but uh, I, I decided to stay with Bierhoff. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, that's that. That's the uh, that is the battle of the pieces of me teams there for you. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's get to a social media check. Uh, uh, Mark, uh, 
uh, tell the uh, listeners about Gentleman Ultra and uh, you know some of the other things and maybe the uh, uh, maybe the uh, body uh, the body work that you're doing. Yeah, the Gentleman Ultra website, which specializes in looking at Italian football through the nineties and earlier historical stories, players, some really top top quality writers there, and that's uh, at Gentleman Ultra, and the website is thegentlemanultra.com. Um, I'm currently working on a project for Bari in Serie B again next season, and you can find that on Twitter at at Sempre Bari. Excellent stuff. Excellent stuff. And uh, thanks for being on with us again. You've completed your hat trick. It's uh, been an absolute pleasure. Thank you uh, very well, much. It's, it's been Thank a pleasure you, having, Mark. Yep, it's been a pleasure having you on. Richard, where can we find you? You can find me at R underscore Carmen. That's K-H-A-R-M-A-N. And as you alluded to earlier, I was recently on the uh, 11 Pieces of Me on the World Football Index. Um, and also I got a couple articles coming out, so stay tuned for that. Yep. Uh, I'm at FTC underscore 21. Uh, on Twitter. Uh, also, you can look up the Calcio Consultant blog on World Football Index. In its infancy, uh, you'll find uh, a piece on uh, how I thought Milan should be restructured. Uh, here in the summer window, you will find me ranting about Inter not caring about European football and the whole Totti Spalletti mess. Uh, and then my most recent blog piece was trying to pick a player of the season from Juventus out of their team, which uh, you know, when you look at them, not really easy to do. Um, you know, I'll be... Uh, uh, sending out another piece or two here this week. Uh, do look out for that. I will uh, give you the Calcio Consultants team of the season. It might match the Serie A sit-downs. I might uh, change a player or two. Uh, you'll just have to read, won't you? Um, and then uh, and then also uh, hopefully be able to find some time to throw a Champions League preview uh, up there as well. So, um, you know, so you can also go to at Serie A sit-down on Twitter or Instagram. Uh, you know, give us your thoughts. It's been a great season. It's been great covering Syria. Uh, we will um, be on. I think we'll we won't be on weekly uh, throughout the summer, but we will uh, try to pop up and do a couple here. Richard, am I right? Yeah, we'll we'll do some. Okay. Yeah, we'll we'll have uh, we'll have obviously have some season previews once we get into August. Uh, you know, and some other things. But uh, we thank you all for your loyalty. We thank you for listening to us. Uh, be sure to continue to tell your paisans about us. If you want to relive some moments, uh, all of our, uh, um, all of our podcasts are available on SoundCloud, uh, iTunes and Stitcher radio. Uh, thanks, uh, for, um, your loyalty to us. Thanks for listening. Be sure to tell your paisans about us. Ciao.